Welcome to The World According to Craig, where today we get into the underbelly of the internet with somebody who truly understands it and how we can manipulate it to make the world a better place. So thanks for joining me, Kevin. No problem. Glad to be here. Uh, so we're going to talk today about the crazy world that is the internet and advertising, and there's a lot of news going on about that right now. But before we get there, I want people to get to know a little bit about you as a person, because you're not just the man behind the gigantic machine of what you do and the technology. You you are a real life human being. Um, how do you end up, you know, you grew up in the Midwest like me. So like naturally, I think you're a better than normal person. <laughs> you're probably right. Um, so you grew up around Chicago, right? I grew up in New York. New York. Um, oh, and then... Yeah, but I ended up living in Chicago for about 15 years. Okay. When I, I identify more from being from the Midwest than I, than I do from the East Coast. I'm definitely not a typical East Coast kind of guy. Um, you don't I, see coffee, so you're not. I know. I do. I do I, sometimes I, I keep the difference between draw, draw, and draws. You know, no one really <laughs> understands. But other than that, yeah, my mom. My mom's disappointed I lost the East Coast accent. But you know, obviously LA's home now. But you know, Midwest Chicago really set me. You know, in my sense of sensibilities and how I think, and you know, being a nice person and all that kind of good stuff. So how do you, so you started out being a nice person and now you work in media, which is like <laughs> antithetical. How do you get, how do you get into media? So what people don't know is like you, you buy media for companies and you, which means that they give you money and you buy advertising, Correct. right? Yes. So when, when people see ads on a website, like you go to Refinery29, they see an ad you've placed, you've purchased that space for your client. Yep. And ideally, you know, the ad you're seeing on Refinery29 is an ad you want to see. And we'll get right. into that. Oh, yes. Um, and it's not, and the microphones and all of it. So <laughs> how do you get into that line of business? It's not like you go to school and in high school, there's like a specialization in advertising class, right? Like I didn't even know that advertising was called media mm -hmm. until many, many moons later. Yeah, no, it's funny. Where, where I went to high school, there was a specialization in nothing, just get, getting getting you through the system. So, Most people yeah. didn't get through the system where I went through high school, so <laughs> there's a there, it's a different place. Um, yeah, no. So I, you know, when I went to college, I actually thought I wanted to be in broadcasting. So I went, you know, I was at Arizona State, and I went for oh. a degree in, in broadcasting, and thought I want to be a radio DJ, you know, my a radio DJ, radio you DJ. have it, you have the voice that I, works. You know, my dad said I had, I had a face for radio. He was, Ooh. He was mean Ooh. to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Love you, dad. Um, but I want to do that. And I actually, when I was working at a radio station, I was working at the cool 94.5 oldies in Phoenix, Arizona. And I was DJing from 12 AM to 6 AM and then going to school at 7 AM when I couldn't really do that any longer. It was driving me crazy just from a, a school schedule and an internship schedule. I went into promotions. And oh. I literally, I drove the 35 foot jukebox that they would do live radio remotes out of. I also crashed the 35 foot <laughs> jukebox. I'm a horrible driver, so I would have done that. So what people may not know is like promotions is like when you hear on the radio, like we're giving two tickets away yeah. to go to this concert and somebody's paid and partnerships and it's like, exactly. okay. It was, it was so much fun. Imagine being 18 years old and like, Hey, I got, I got free tickets to, you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I got you a lot of dates. I'm sure it probably could have, but I worked and went to school <laughs> too much. So, um, and, and my wife may be listening, so I can't, I can't talk about that. I, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. I, the, the working gets in the way. Yeah, um, sure. so you got into promotions mm -hmm. then in media and then built your own agency sold that agency and built your own agency again. Correct. So yeah, so I went from, from promotions, I got into what would be traditional advertising, right? So I was like, wow, this is great. I love the idea of a marketing campaign and how to get someone to do something. And what's the point of the free giveaway? 
right? Versus just giving something away for free. That, that intrigued me. Why is someone giving things away for free? Things cost money. That really got me thinking and that started me into advertising. And I went into advertising and I worked at a couple <clears> of different <throat> agencies out of, out of Chicago. And then I went to work for a client. Um, you probably know them, Unilever. They yeah. make Dove and Axe and Fryer's so- ice cream. <laughs> yeah. So I used to tell people I sold deodorant because my favorite category was the deodorant category, working on degree and Axe body spray. And I did all that. I don't know that anyone's favorite is working on Axe body spray, <laughs> but that's a separate Axe body spray exactly. issue. Exactly. Um, and I learned, you know, I learned a lot on the client side of, you know, ultimately what the advertising does to what the client needs and how to sell. So then I went and I said, let me put this all together. And I started an agency that was focused on what we call conversion, right? Which is ultimately marketing towards the sale, not marketing for the sake of marketing. And I launched a digital um, conversion, digital shopper marketing agency called Lunchbox, which was acquired. Um, I was there for a number of years and I started thinking about what's next, right? Now that I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a full pet entrepreneur, I started a company, I sold the company, I'm in that rare percentage of success. What do I do next, right? Do I go back and work for somebody or do I start another business? And I want to start another business, but only if there was a problem to solve. And really, really long story short, that problem was advertising. And from the ad, from the, from the client's side, not the consumer side, there's just no accountability. There's no transparency in advertising. And if we can solve that problem by being transparent, being accountable, and ultimately putting the right message in front of the right person that cares, that's a business. And that's so five years ago, I started my company, Optimad Media, which is all about transparency and actions and advertising, what really matters. So I love that. And we're going to deep into that. It's you know, you said something in there that really was interesting to me was back at Arizona State, you asked, why are we giving away the tickets, yep. right? And we see all kinds of advertising out in the world. And I don't know that people who see that advertising ask, why am right. I seeing this, right? And, and that's what you started an agency to solve, which is why the transparency from an advertiser point of view, which is where is my money going? And then solving, ultimately, it's in the advertiser's best interest to show someone something they want because then they'll buy it, right? So they're not trying to push something. It's not like they're they're drug pushers trying to sell a product that nobody wants. The reality is, is they want to put their product, which whatever that product, whatever that the, the reason for that product. Their soda they, can, they're, right? They're, whatever that solves for you in front of a person who cares about that, that wants that particular product or is searching that out. We don't, you know, advertisers don't want to annoy you by, by giving you ads that you don't want to see, right? The reality is they want to put something in front of you that makes you think this could help my life or this is going to be something that I enjoy. I would love some chocolate ice cream right now. What a great idea. I've had a stressful day. (laughs) So we're going to get into now you're going to see ads for chocolate ice cream on your Instagram feed in a second. I'm pretty sure it's already on my phone right now. Yeah. That's a whole other story. (laughs) That's a whole other story. But there's something to be said. I often say it's much easier to convince someone who wants to buy a purse to buy a Chanel purse. You, if you if they don't already want to buy a purse, you have to convince them to buy a purse and then choose a Chanel right. purse. What's the need? Why do you need the purse in the first place? Right. And so you you are trying to solve for something. But what people may not get is that you're trying to solve for something in a very, very messy, chaotic world. When you talk about transparency, I don't think people necessarily understand. I know I give this talk a lot and I learned a lot of it from you. So uh, I owe you some sort of like payment on that for something. But We'll talk uh, about that after the show. Yeah. It, but so what people don't understand is that like if we set aside pornography on the internet, which is a huge chunk of the internet, yeah. when we focus on Top the ri- five sites, or yeah. mostly yes, and story another day, yeah, it's, <laughs> we set aside the rest of the internet. Mm-hmm. That a huge portion of that internet isn't 
you and me and everyone else surfing the internet or checking their email or reading a blog. A huge portion of that internet is, um, you know, there are 3 million people that are employed uh, by the Chinese government in censorship and they are manually censoring every site. Like so, and under uh, a, a, a type of code, a masked VPN that makes it look like they're in the US. Yep. The, the Russians employ nearly a million people in the Internet Research Agency, which is their propaganda and, and, mm-hmm. and cyber terrorism machine. Ironically, IRA. Yes. Just saying. <laughs> yes. Um, it's about as much of a terrorist organization. <laughs> um, and then there are tens of millions of people employed in third world countries, primarily in Southeast Asia, Bangladesh, Philippines, India, that are trying to game algorithms in search, like gaming Google and trying to... Correct, because the importance of search, people don't really understand and, and having to find a product because, you know, advertising is all about making your product available to someone who's searching for it. Search right. takes you directly And there. search is the direct place. So it's, yeah. it's very expensive and very valuable because somebody is actually typing into a box, I want yeah. the purse. So showing up and being the purse can be really important in getting them to buy yours. Correct. But then you try to game that system. But there are millions of people clicking thousands of times a day who are not interested in anything that they see. Um, and they're not interested in the ad, right? right. Um, but it looks like they're in the US. And so advertisers are traditionally buying ads that advertise to regular everyday people and also all of these millions of fake people. Correct. And bots, they, there are lines of code robots that that pretend to be real people they're designed to act as if they're human and they have they're built around artificial intelligence that makes them seem human even the most sophisticated fraud filters it's hard to filter all of that out at any time so what i don't think people realize is that with the stuff that they see on social media like half of that is created by a robot that's posting as if it were a real person it may look like jane in minnesota but it's not Mm -hmm. so there's all of this chaos and the millions of, uh, and, of people behaving as if they're real people that are not real people. And then you and I are real people on the internet. And we are looking at a blog and advertising has existed for as long as there have been products. 125 years. <laughs> right. Uh, and I mean, I true. I went actually to Ephesus in Turkey, and there were there were ads um, for prostitutes carved into the stone. So, you know, it... That's a new one. I'm going to use that. Um, Taught me something today. Yeah. So, but what's interesting is, so advertising has been around and I don't think anybody is, I mean, there are some people on, on the extremes, but anybody in the mainstream public is opposed to advertising. We, you know, we see the billboards. It is what it is. And and I see things that I want. People look forward to the Super Bowl to watch the ads when it's creative, when it's something they want to see, when it's a product they're interested in, right? There is a need and a want in the world for advertising. So without technology though, Mm -hmm. and without the things that you do, we would see advertising for almost anything that didn't apply to us. Correct. So I would, I would see ads for the Home Depot and I don't do home construction, (laughs) right? Like I am not a do it yourselfer. Um, you, you know, you might see ads for wigs and you're not shopping for a wig anytime soon. Not yet. Maybe in a few years. Um, you, I, you know, we, you, it would just be random what you saw. Correct. And because it's just, you're just a subsegment of 360 million people or so in the United States. You, there's no specificity around who you are and what you want to see. Which feels like it would be more annoying. It would than, be extremely annoying. Because you would, and, and you know, you see your blog and then if you want to find something, if you were to go into a search engine and ask for something and there was no advertising, 
you could conceivably then just have to wade through pages of results to find what you wanted. Pages and pages and pages. Which is what I feel like when I go into Amazon sometimes. And I'm like, I just need this. And I don't know how Amazon classifies it. Um, and so there, there's a helpfulness to technology in that it's supposed to connect people to something they actually want. Correct. So how do you go from there to everyone thinks that their phone is listening to them and, and showing them the Instagram, Instagram ad for chocolate ice cream? <laughs> the funny, their phone is not listening to them. I'm 99.9% sure of that. I will, I will leave a, a little, little bit of, of, of that open. The reality is, is that the behavior that you've exhibited on your phone is showing advertisers that you want chocolate ice cream. They probably also know that you're thinking about chocolate ice cream either after the workday or at night. So that's when you're going to get your chocolate ice cream message. It's not that you just said at 7.30 p.m., oh man, I love some chocolate ice cream. It's that your behavior is exhibited after dinner, which you usually have about seven o'clock. You're probably going to be interested in ice cream. Therefore, a Talenti ad or something will come up for you. So I think that's interesting because what people, people are like, my phone is listening to me. The number of people that say my phone is listening to me because they'll, they'll talk about something with a friend and then they'll start seeing ads about it and things like that. But the reality is that there's a whole science. There's a probabilistic like there's a math to yeah. this, right? Like it's a probability that you want something because you've done this, right? Like my Amazon Fresh knows that I buy Skinny Cow ice cream. So there's a tracking somewhere that knows that I like ice cream, Correct. which will get into then showing me ads for ice cream when that ad cycles up. Well, imagine if you're Briars and you know that, that you have a competitive product with Skinny Cow. If there's a way that you know that you could reach a Skinny Cow consumer with a message of, hey, if you buy Skinny Cow because it's low on calories or whatever, we have this new product that's low on calories, you're going to be interested in that. So if there's a way to identify that, it's not as clean as that, you know, but they say, look, based on all these variables, this person likely buys Skinny Cow, you're going to be interested in that ad. So why wouldn't you want to see that ad? So I think what... And then people at any given time can want a lot of things, right? Like I want stuff right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I need to buy a slate for my podcast. I need to, I want to buy a new book. I might need a new notepad. I might also want ice cream. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't had a banana in a while, right? Like all of those things. So at any given point, I might want a lot of things. How does an advertiser know which thing to get to me? It, you know, it depends on the advertiser. So I'll, I'll give you an example because we walked in, I commented on the Peloton that you had and I had mentioned I just bought a Hydro. And the reality is that was an ad that worked on me. I don't know who does Hydro's ads. It should be me, but the, whoever does it does, very, <laughs> does actually does a very good job. And But either way I looked at it is they know that I bought a Peloton. They know that I bought from, from Rogue Fitness. They've probably seen that I bought Optimum Nutrition or Quest or things okay. like that, which puts me in the, obviously in the market of they're looking probably for... 35 plus um, folks that exercise that are in a certain household income. And if you look at where I live, I fit that. So the message for hydro makes sense to me. I saw that and I was like, I've never heard of that. That looks really interesting. I've never been a rowing machine guy, but I love my Peloton and I love that I can follow along, you know, with, with the bike classes. I would love to do that with rowing classes. That's an example of an ad that made sense contextually where I was as probably either on the rogue site or on Facebook looking at some sort of new exercise, something. And they hit me with an ad that was relevant to me and, and I purchased. And that's the key is to hit that to me versus say my brother, who's probably in the same income range, same rough age. Love you, Brian. Hasn't seen the gym in a very long time. <laughs> you know, It's just a different, it's a different type of thing. So that's where it makes sense. Okay, so... 
I like that because it, it it breaks down on a on a level that you, that I can understand that this idea of okay I want this this is you know I did this I did this mm-hmm. what most people don't realize is that the things that they do are tracked and and the purchases that they make um, so and there are a lot of people who have concerns about that tracking. A lot of people are scared about it because being tracked is very scary to them. There's ways <clears> to control what's tracked and how it's tracked. There is stuff that is very very scary. The stuff that went down with TikTok and what they're tracking with kids is something that's that's the extreme example of these folks not knowing what's being tracked and parents there needing to do a better job of managing. But in general, when you're cookied for advertising and things like that, I know cookies is a hot topic. It's not a bad thing for you, right? It's going to help you get more relevant information that you want. Don't you want to discover new products? Don't you want to new things that are of interest to you and get less ads for things that that don't matter well i think that's the that's the 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 false choice Mm -hmm. that we in a zero-sum society that we've created right Mm -hmm. where we we it has to be all one or all the other so people are like no i don't want tracked and i'm and but then my response to them would be do you understand the like the the universe of the internet because if there is zero tracking on you you will never be able to find anything you want on the internet and I think I don't think people understand that what we talked about in, in uh, a few minutes ago that just the the billions of problem children out there like there are millions of people who are getting in the way of you finding what you want on the internet. So if we don't track you at all, you're screwed, right? Like, and they win. They win, and you're in this morass. So that convenience factor of I want I want to go to Google and search for something and get what I want. You actually won't. Absolutely. You'll spend you'll spend hours and hours looking for something in it's like finding a needle in a haystack. So tracking as a fundamental concept is okay, right? Like it's, it's, it's the, to a degree, to a degree, it's the degree at which we track. It's the degree of what we do that is ethical in that vein. So the, it's the ethics of what we do. That's important. So how much we track is the real question. It's okay to be helpful mm-hmm. but too helpful is creepy to some people correct there's a there can be a little big brother looking on but there's you know i think the, the government has actually done a decent job of what information is allowed to be stored and what information isn't i think when you look at other countries and what they do with it that's become some of the problem and we get scared right obviously in this world society news is all over the place what happens in china what happens in russia we're fearful what happens here the united states government's done a, a pretty good job the european government's done a very good job they have something called gdpr um, which limits the amount of information we call PII, personally identifiable information, that can be stored and how it's stored. Um, but it's valuable information to have. You don't want to go on the internet and not find what you want. You don't want to go on social channels and be served things you don't want to see. When's the last time you know, you've been on Instagram or Facebook? It's about socially connecting, but it's really about social commerce because that's where you're discovering products that you want. I try to remind people all the time that social media isn't social. It's just an ad platform yeah. that they're using their own posts to further. And then people get frustrated with the world when they, <laughs> when I explain that to them. But it's true, right? Like they're, they're not nonprofits, right? Like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook have shareholders. There's, there, there are lots of profits. Right. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that as long as they're delivering a service that you want. And the reality is we, we want that service. And if you didn't want that service, you could delete it like you, you could you, you don't have to participate yeah. so this is the real question then which is we're we're tracking people to try to be helpful and to your point with PII personal identifying information it's not like we're saying it's Susie James 
who wants all of these things. It's in in the consumer tech mind. It's consumer three eight four nine five nine eight nine six B. They do not know your name. It's blinded. They just know that this is your shopping behavior, and you'd be interested in this type of thing. And what information do they have? And you can you can you match that across other data points to better serve you with an ad? Because a lot of people will say, well, I don't want them knowing that I'm doing this. But my response would be they why? don't. And well, why? and why? My whole thing is if you don't want something on the front page of the New York Times, don't do it. Yeah. So like, what are you hiding? Um, a lot of people like to object to things on on the just the principle, like no tracking. Oh, we're then, in the objection society right now. Right. Everything's black and white. But if we get beyond that objection and we get beyond the just the sheer like mindlessness of just saying, I object. Mm -hmm. If we accept the fundamental premise that I want to see things that are relevant, I want things that are relevant to me, then we can get to a place where we're having a conversation about how far I'm willing to go to get something that's relevant. Mm -hmm. And tailoring it to your needs, right? We have the ability now to limit the information that we give out based on our personal preference. The problem is it's really difficult to do. You have to do it on every specific website. It talks about your cookie settings. No one really even knows what that means, right? We I don't know. think any, I, I like cookies. Like I like Girl Scout cookies. Mm -hmm. I like chocolate chip cookies, but people actually don't they know don't what understand. a cookie is. You know, a, a cookie is just a, a tracking technology that, that, that tracks who you are in a blinded way that says, these are the types of things that you're doing. These are the things that you're interested in. Everything you do tracks you. Your television is tracking. Your television is looking at what programs that you're watching. And it doesn't just mean if you're watching a cord cutting OTT, your traditional linear television can track what you're watching based upon sound cues of specific shows. So we, okay. so we have to get past the fact that there's, there's a world where there's no tracking. There's a chip inside my TV that's listening to a, a sound cue. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there, okay. there are things like if you have a Samsung TV or a Vizio TV or anything, smart TVs, they are all tracking what you're doing for the betterment of getting you programs and advertisements that, that you want, that they want. Now that is valuable data and that data is being sold. I think in Samsung's and Vizio's cases, they may not sell it. They may keep it themselves, but it's, it's a collection of pool to do things with. I don't think there's something wrong with that. I understand why that's creepy to people. But there's ways to limit that. You know that everywhere you go, your phone tracks where you're going. Right. They don't know who you are. Your phone has a device ID. You're just device 1473726. Right. And if it helps to know that that device is an, is an iPhone versus an Android, that may help serve different things that are appropriate to you. I don't want to serve you an ad for an app that's only available on iPhone right. on your Android if phone. You, and I think that's the point is like advertising is trying to be helpful because the only way that advertising is a sustainable business model is if it is helpful enough that you buy something. Right. It is not of anyone's interest. And I think that's the key point is like people think, oh, they just want to push ads at me and push ads at me. I was like, no one wants to push ads on anyone who's not buying something. So the, the only goal is to give you something relevant. And the idea is you, it's not even to just get you to buy it once. Hydro was an example of a one-time big purchase. Yes, there's a subscription. The idea is we have to give you a product that you're going to buy consistently for what's called a lifetime value because the cost of finding you and selling you ice cream one time isn't valuable for the advertiser. It's we have to serve you. We know that Craig's going to like chocolate peanut butter ice cream and you're going to buy this repeatedly because it's something you want. That's why we serve you the ad. If you're going to buy it once and be like, ah, I didn't really want this. The ad made me do it. You know, something like that. It's not valuable to anybody. Well, I think that's the bold point, which is that there's no that this is how value is created. This is what it's, it's not of anybody's interest to keep pushing a message no one wants. Mm -hmm. And like it's, it's commerce. There's no nefarious intent. Like a line of code 
that's trying to serve you an ad that's relevant to you doesn't have a nefarious intent. Code is code. It's like it's letters and numbers. It 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 can't. It's not sentient. This isn't Terminator. We ha- not, it, yet. Sky, not yet. Skynet's and there, coming. There's no Skynet <laughs> yet. Although sometimes I wonder if my uh, nests uh, are, are communicating with each other. But I. Well, the fire alarm goes off in one room and then it goes off in another room. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're connected, but there's no fire in two rooms. Anyway, that's a separate issue and a problem. And it goes for up me. on your app, and it yeah. gets, but it also gets alerts the fire department who gets you here in case there is a fire. Exactly. Now so it's you. trying to be helpful. Yep. Tracking can be helpful. Um, but in, and there's no nefarious intent in that. So now we come to a world where Apple and Google say, we want to preserve privacy. So we're going to block certain tracking mechanisms, certain third party tracking right. mechanisms. But I don't think what people realize is it means that Apple and Google will still track you. They just won't let anyone else track you, which entrenches them in in their permanent position, it, which, which it, is way worse to me than... It just means the information that, that advertisers need and people want them to have will be only held between Apple and Google. And it, it's not going to be unavailable. You'll just have to get it from them. Well, and that's the interesting thing. So Apple had to give up uh, in a compromise with app developers, they had to give up some revenue percentages. Yep. So now, if they keep all the data themselves and you want access to that data, they promise consumers, we're we're making this anonymous, yep. but they can still sell that data. And it's those outside advertisers, a Coca-Cola or a Pepsi, can't track you independently anymore. So they must buy from Apple They'll or create Google. A part, they want to create a partnership with Apple. Apple's going to create a partnership with us and we'll, we'll help you in a more transparent <coughs> marketing way. More transparent just means, and like, I think Apple's a great company. I think Google's a great company. I think Facebook's a great company. It's just a way to help them with their bottom line, take control, make a better profit. It is not better for the end consumer. And people think that that privacy is helpful, but it's not going to be any more private. And the concept of uh, privacy, the concept of no one will know these things, that ship sailed and they don't 40 know years who ago. you are. They know your behavior. No one knows that it's Craig at this address in Los Angeles. They just know your behavior is, I want chocolate ice cream, right? That's, right. that's, that's what's important, right? It's not about when there's a day, and if there's a data breach where somehow you can connect numbers to people, right? That can become an issue, right? We have to have guardrails against that. But the way that the data companies store all data companies, it's all anonymous unless it's PII, personally identifiable information. And there are very specific legal guardrails around that. And if you mess up PII once, the fines are intense. So it's very, very strict out there. The government is very much protecting people's identities when it comes to that. So I think this is a case when we hear all this conversation out in the world of, oh, I don't want tracking and privacy. And this is a lot of people using terms that they haven't researched, mm-hmm. that they don't understand, and taking a side in a debate that they aren't really participating in. If your choice is, do I want privacy or I don't want privacy, you're gonna say, I want privacy. But those aren't actually the choices, right? It's not black and white like that. It's what level of helpfulness and targeting against you, and what information are you going to give to help people deliver that information to you? You have choices from here to here to here and everything in between. It's not just here or here. And that's the debate right now. It's not a black or white situation. And everybody wants a world that's a little bit more helpful, but then they don't want to be honest about the choices that they make and the trade-offs in helpfulness. I think that's the key component for me. I I will lecture till the cows come home on the, we can do a lot of things, but we just need to be transparent and honest and informed about them. 
And I think that's the key takeaway here is that there's a lot of information people need. Like a lot of people think that code has nefarious intent. It, it physically can't. It's not a living, breathing it's not a living, breathing thing. thing. A lot of people think, well, advertisers just want this. No, advertisers only want something that's relevant to you because it's the only way that they make money. People don't understand these companies like a Pepsi or a Unilever or whoever, the amount of money they spend on research and development of their own products to create a better product to serve their consumers. And the idea is when they create this better product, they want you to know about it and how it's going to uh, and how it's going to serve you. You do not have to buy it. <laughs> you do not have to click on their ad. Right. <laughs> I think that's the key component of this is we have choices. Mm -hmm. We have responsibilities. We have accountability mm -hmm. and there are guardrails in place. So the the world isn't the world of the internet is a mass crazy place with millions of people trying to game algorithms and and cyber terrorism and all these other things. But in the middle of it is that almost this, we're trying to build this oasis of who we are as a people and find a place where people can connect with each other, can get served ads that they want, can buy things that they want, can find things that they want, can discover new things. And it's not an evil world by default. It's, it's just a world that's trying to be helpful. We just need to be honest about how and what it's doing. Think about some of these things we created. Look at, you know, people are very afraid of the 23andMe's and the ancestries, and I understand that. But look how it's connected people to other family members, right? right? Or made you aware of potentially hereditary diseases that you have to look out for and the positives that social media, the connecting of people. And I have two teenagers, right? So <laughs> I, I understand the downside of social media in a very, very large way, especially during the pandemic. But imagine if we didn't have it during, the, during this pandemic. And, you know, my kids have been home from school for a year. They don't see anybody that allows them to connect and talk to their people. So they, they weren't created with this nefarious idea. Mark Zuckerberg didn't create Facebook with this nefarious idea of, of selling you ads and, <laughs> and taking over the world and telling people what's fake news or not fake news, right? It was created in a concept to be helpful. It's giving yes. him far too much credit. <laughs> yeah, there's bastardizations and there are things that happen and people can take a lot of good things and, and pull out the, the, the dark side of it, right? That is, not everything is black, not everything is white. We have to take that really good white space to figure out how do we work within that, right? Okay, I think that's the important piece of this, which is that there are very real risks to the internet. There are risks to social media and there are downsides, but unless we're honest with each other about what we're actually talking about, what advertising is actually doing, and we're informed in those decisions, then we're just making wild and salacious allegations that have no merit in truth. And so it's okay to have a debate about how far we want privacy to extend absolutely but we need to be honest about what privacy is now first what does it mean what are we looking for what makes us comfortable right and what are the trade-offs what are the trade-offs for more privacy what are the more what are the trade-offs for less privacy and what really defines what's what's important privacy versus us just saying i want privacy <laughs> well that's a whole podcast series and this is just one interview and i'm so grateful for you for you coming on the show today to talk and really level set. This is super informative. And I want to thank everyone. Thank you for tuning in to The World According to Craig on this episode where we debunk the myth that the internet is a creepy place by default and instead talk about an honest conversation on advertising, tracking, cookies, technology, and media. And I hope you get served an ad for chocolate ice cream that you want to eat tonight because I know that I will. And I want to thank you, Kevin, for coming on and, and level setting. It's been incredibly informative and super helpful. Right. Thanks for having me, man. This, this was fun. I'm happy to do it again. There's so, so many different ways. Part two coming it. soon. Part two through 16 <laughs> coming soon. Amazing. Right. Thank you. Right, Tune in to The World According to Craig. 
where every week we have a really interesting person, at least in my opinion. And together we talk about the things that drive us nuts, but we also try to make sense of the world. It's not about learning how to buy a new car or being a better parent, but rather trying to make sense of the chaos around us and how to live our best life. Hope to see you.